Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, along with my co-worker, George Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for The Athletic, and uh, we're here to talk about the Michigan race. I was actually at Michigan, but now I'm obviously, as you can see, if you're watching the YouTube version of this, not at Michigan. Came back this morning, flew back home after seeing the first 75 laps yesterday, and watched the rest on TV. Uh, however, I did miss a thrilling battle for the win between Chris Buescher and Martin Truex Jr., Ultimately, Chris Buescher prevails, and boy, did he turn the entire narrative on its head because last week at Richmond, Jordan, we were like, oh, that's nice for Chris Buescher. No, they're not going to the final eight. Didn't I say that? No, 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 yeah, yeah, and that's why I'm smiling. I know, I know you were. I I knew you were going to say, I beat you to it. I knew you were going to bring that up immediately. I said, I don't think they can go to the final eight, though. They're not (laughs) like, okay. Just say, I... I called Chase Elliott not making the playoffs on points. I called this. I'm just saying, you want to be on the right side of things, you come on my side. It is like they're running really well right now. And it, they absolutely could make the eight. These, these playoff points are going to help a lot. And yeah, I mean, it's it's hard not to like what they are right now. And I think the great, the bigger point of this, they're the best four team right now, the organization, RFK. And I don't even think it's close. Like it's like Penske's not in the discussion. Outside of Stuart Haas Racing, Kevin, you know, I'm sorry, outside of Kevin Harvick, Stuart Haas Racing is not really doing anything consistently. RFK, because Brad is running great, they are easily the best Ford organization right now, and it's not close. I mean, we we mentioned it last week on the podcast. Bob had brought up, you know, is yeah. RFK the best Ford team right now? And it's like, eh, I mean, well, they've they've been doing okay, but like the best Ford team, I don't know. That seems like a seems like a stretch, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, man, uh, when you win on two different types of tracks like this, Richmond, Richmond's one thing, like even a short track, one thing, right? Like short track racing, you know, we see here and there, like different people pop up, like, oh, Ryan priest will be fast or something like that. You're like, no, how much do you really take out of that? But going into Michigan, the drivers we're talking about in the bullpen, this is this is the last true test of like, hey, this this does a lot because it takes everything to win at Michigan. It takes everything to go fast there. Engine, arrow, good pit crew. I mean, a- execution. Um, and so for Chris Buescher to do what he did today, yeah, you could say, hey, it's hard to pass the leader. It absolutely is. I'm sure it is. But Martin Truex Jr. at the end of stage two starts mm-hmm. – uh, Get, makes the pit stop and comes all the way back up through, catches everybody, and then blasts past Daniel Suarez at the end like it was nothing, like it was easy. Well, Chris Busher, he had that chance to do that on Chris Busher for the last, gosh, I don't know, 30 laps of the race or something. He couldn't do it. Chris Busher executed flawlessly. Sure, they made their car better, 
um, than it was early in the race, but he held off a really good car. He had a great performance. And when you factor in that Brad Kozlowski also finishes fourth, um, and, and was coming on strong, Brad says, boy, I wish we had gotten a caution. Cause I think we could have won as well. RFK has taken some major, major steps forward. And then all of a sudden you think about the implications of, okay, they won on a short track. They've wanted a track that could translate to what we see at the mile and a half tracks and Darlington. So like, you know, Darlington, Vegas, um, Homestead, Texas, Kansas. Okay. Now all of a sudden, no, wait, now wait a minute too. Oh, he's good at road courses. Chris mm-hmm. Busher is. Oh, we talked about Ford <laughs> in general are good at short tracks. All of a sudden, this kind of looks like a, it could unfold decently for, oh, for old Chris Busher and RFK. You mean like a deep playoff run, maybe like a round of eight? Oh, gee, shocking. I'm saying I was wrong. I'm saying I'm, I mean, he's he's a you're, you're right. I mean, Michigan is a great bellwether track. It reminds me of how Indianapolis and the Oval used to be. You needed everything, and this is a good example of that. And I don't think it's coincidence today that the teams that we've kind of identified the eleven, the nineteen. I think we kind of agree on the five, though they they got some issues sometimes. Have they had good runs today? They had great runs today, and. I mean, we kind of have to start having to have that conversation about the 17 and you look at it and Chris is so underrated and I, and I can't say that enough. And it's weird to say about a guy who's, you know, won two races in a row and is a former Xfinity series champion, but there really isn't a style track that he doesn't do well on. He's just never been in a situation with a team worthy that matches his abilities. It's always been with teams that are kind of middle of the road and he has to always punch above his weight class and now that he's getting equipment that matches his skill set, he is showing he knows what to do with it. And he's only going to get better. And you'd think that RFK is only going to get better. And I think the other dynamic of this, too, is kudos to Brad Keselowski. Because, I mean, he left the situation at Penske where I know I felt this way, and I think you did, too, where, like, oof, what, what are you doing? Like, you're leaving a team that's as good as it gets where you're going to contend for championships and you're going to have a potential to continue to build your legacy. It didn't quite make sense from the driver perspective, but from the owner perspective, he's, you know, it's, it's really impressive on what he's doing there and how he's rebuilt this organization because, you know, for a long time, we've kind of talked about RFK when they've had these moments of fleeting success. We're like, Oh, RFK is back. Right. And it's never really stuck. This feels like it's going to stick. And not only is it going to stick, it's going to grow bigger. Yeah, I, I'm still worried about getting too far ahead of ourselves. And obviously, last week I really didn't want to because I said he wouldn't even make the final eight. And now I'm like, <laughs> what okay. has it ever stopped you? Now, but let me ask you this because I can tell you're you're very proud of yourself for uh, saying this and saying the Chase Elliott thing. So if you're so confident, uh, is Chris Busher one of your final four picks right now? No, and I will. Oh and wait, well, oh, hey, wait a minute now. I well, thought you I, just I said he was so great. Let me present the other side of this argument here. Okay. Of why, and like, I mean, and all you know, coming down from a level-headed perspective, we said a lot. A lot of the same things we're saying right now about the seventeen team, we said last year about Kevin Harvick at this time because Kevin won at Richmond, he won at Michigan, and it was like whoa, or, or vice versa, right? It was Michigan. Yeah, it was then Michigan Richmond. first, then Richmond. Yeah, and it snapped a losing streak, and they were really starting to punch above their weight class. And you're like, oh, okay, they're they're ramping up. Okay, this is gonna this is the vintage four team, and then you know things happen in that first round. So I, I think they I think the 17 team has a runway to do something and, and impress. 
Um, you know, but you don't know how the playoffs are going to unfold. But I like the fact that they're building up their playoff points. I like the position they're in. I mean, could they make it to the final four? I mean, you look at the tracks that 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 set up that round, um, two mile and a half racetracks that have a lot of characteristics to Michigan. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, there are other teams that I would probably put ahead of them, but they're starting to make a case for themselves. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just it feels like such a small sample size, but yet it's such a big statement. So what do you do with that information? You know, had Truex been able to pass him has, if there's a late caution in this race, maybe it's a different story because Truex wins, maybe Hamlin wins. Hamlin had a really fast car at the end there. Maybe Kozlowski wins. Larson finished fifth. Uh, Larson didn't seem to really have it though. Um, but you know, maybe it's a different story. However, the fact that Busher ran that well, even if he finishes second or something, I still think it's a conversation of like, okay, we're still mm-hmm. talking about, hey, RFK has made huge strides. I just think, you know, it, it's too much in the moment and getting too swept up in a pretty short amount of time to say, wow, they're really going to be a contender now out of nowhere. How do you trust the team when you haven't seen this from them for, for that long of a time, I mean, can they sustain this? Can their pit crews, you know, in, in a, in a clutch situation, can they deliver? There's a lot that goes into a deep playoff run. Um, and you know, certainly it stacks up well for him. I think he'll have two great weeks ahead with, uh, the road courses. He's, he's great there, things like that. But, um, I just don't know what to do with it yet. I don't know what to, uh, how, how deep to have it. I, I think it's a great, subplot for the playoffs that, Ooh, this is interesting. We didn't see this team coming and it's just sort of, they, they got hot, but, um, the Toyotas looked good overall. I mean, bell, despite his deal, you know, rallied back to finish 13th. Um, Ty Gibbs finished 11th. So you had all four of the JGR cars, um, in the top 13. Now, Tyler Reddick, I mean, you look at his deal with, with another mistake from the pit crew, another loose wheel. Um, you know, he, he had just gotten ahead of Busher. I mean, he was, he, he and Busher pitted on the same lap there. And so, and remember from there, uh, the last 67 laps of this race were green. So it was going to play straight up, right? Like it was a, it was a straight, that's why Truex never got a chance at him on a restart or anything and had to track him down you know, Reddit could have easily won this race and that mm-hmm. would have been something different that we were talking about. So we have said that so many times this year though, that Reddit should have won the race or should have had a better finish. Than they did. And I'll, I'll throw bell in there too, because it's another, you know, issue that just keeps hindering these two teams where you look at it and you're like, man, they've got all of the potential to do something big. And every single week it's, we're stubbing our toe and new different ways. And I mean, you heard Reddick's meltdown. I, I, let me take that back. That's not a meltdown. It was justified what he said. Like you can understand why he was so frustrated at the radio. Like he, you just get to a point. And what's issue? What's interesting about this is this has been an issue with twenty three eleven almost since its inception, where it's like they find new and inventive ways to take potentially good days and turn them into something else. And a lot of it has to do with on pit road. And this year they have their own pit crew for the first time. And it looks a lot like they did when they had old, the old pit crew. And it's this the same stuff over and over again. Yeah. It's frustrating for them. I mean, Bubba Wallace had a good car today, ends up finishing 18th. I'm not exactly sure if they had a bad stop at some point because I think they did. Yeah. Um, maybe his last stop there. Cause it seemed like yeah. he was, I, I, I never, I don't think TV ever covered it, but 
I just they made like an extra suddenly... pit stop too for fuel there, and that cost some track position. And interesting I day, know. and I, you know, I know you and I differ on this, and I understand what they were doing in terms of the big picture. We're chasing points, and, and we're trying to put ourselves in a good spot. But I feel like they could have gotten those points. They only picked up four points today, and and I feel like you could have gone for the win and still put yourself in a really good position and not had any downside risk of really losing anything. You still probably would have netted out with a top 10 finish. And for a team that doesn't have a win this year and had circled this track as an opportunity to win, I felt like this was a really good chance to do that and put yourself in a playoff spot. And again, they're, they're in a really good spot, but you still could have, you could have solidified that today. Um, so curious strategy there, which I know we kind of differ on. Yeah, I, I actually, and I'll go back to my original point in a minute. Um, we, I got sidetracked talking about Reddick and stuff, but, um, I actually think they, they made the right decision there when they, when they tried to take the the stage points. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, I mean, look, you, you do want to win, but you're also in a position where you've got to try to pad that lead to, or that, that, uh, that cushion to 16th place, just in case there is one new winner in the next three weeks. Um, yeah, you're in the playoffs comfortably, but you don't want to be all of a sudden, you know, battling with Ty Gibbs or McDowell or whatever for that final spot. So, um, he, he put himself in pretty good position there. Like he's, he actually vaulted over Stenhouse. Now Bubba's 14th in points, Reddick's 13th in points. So, um, you know, they, they're, they're, but you that know, doesn't matter they, in the grand scheme because no, Stenhouse has got to win. So no, I, I get that. I'm just saying that that shows you it his level of consistency this year. Cause we've been talking about how Stenhouse has sure, been consistent. Sure. Um, Bubba just a few weeks ago or not that long ago was well out of the 16 and now he's, you know, comfortably in it. So I think that's what you need to do. Of course he'd rather win, but you've, you've got to get points when you can. Um, but my larger point in bringing up, um, you know, the Reddick as part of the Toyotas as a whole is, you know, the, the Toyotas are looking good. Uh, the Toyotas, I feel pretty confident about that they're going to have a strong playoffs. The Fords, you know, even going into the race, you know, yesterday, I, I would have thought, eh, sorry. I mean, like it's, we, we've talked about the Fords on the big tracks. Just don't, yeah, it, you just don't feel good about it. I mean, yeah, short tracks and yeah, you know, I know Blaney got the win at the 600 and stuff, but I don't know. Like I, I just, you know, it's felt like they're behind and they've, they've been missing something and everything has to go perfect for them. But for the, so for them to do this, I think that's important. The question now is, so where does this leave the Chevys? Because when we're trying to project here, we really got some incomplete information with the Chevys this week, because one of the top Chevys, Kyle Busch is racing Blaney, basically takes himself out, um, with the hard racing there. Then Chase Elliott, it seemed like he was going to have a top 10 day going, uh, and you know, just gets a flat tire out of nowhere, Rex, his day's over. Byron, he's going to have a top 10 day and maybe better and uh, hits the wall, takes himself out. Um, Bowman was going to have a top 10 day and just got caught up in that wreck. So, but okay, top 10 day, but like winning, race winning speed, top five. I don't know that we ever saw that. We don't know. Right. And so that we got sort of incomplete info from this. You can go off of Kyle Larson and Kyle Larson in the top five today, but I don't, that no point did it ever look like he had a winning car. And he said and, afterwards in his Chevy quotes that they put out that 
he had contact with Chase Briscoe at some point, and he said yeah. his car handled differently after that. They hit, they yeah, hit pretty hard. Just, so, but yeah, hard. it never felt like he was going to get up there and it run with like like true X. It's hard to say. To your point, I mean, you say it's incomplete, and it's you're hundred percent right. We don't have the, we don't have, we don't know. And I look at how the nineteen car was today, and it's really hard to think that anybody was in that category. But at before when this race was restarted today. I never thought the 17 car was going to be a, a well, contender. Now, wait a minute. Just on this same podcast equipment, words were spoken by Denny Hamlin saying that yeah. the 17 car on his podcast, he said he was talking about, he was going through and he said 17 car. He was talking about, sure. it's going to be fast. He said 17, 19, 11, oh, were yeah. three I mean, of the cars he mentioned. And those were the top three. So I think Busher, I, I didn't see it. But I thought he had a good car, top five. But winning, I mean, and Denny's obviously smarter than than I am because I, I didn't think he could beat the nineteen. But the, the, they they showed us something for sure. Well, again, you know, look, part of that is is the track position element of it, right? Like the way that Busher and Reddick's strategy fell with the the pit stops at different times. They had to pit before Truex. Truex probably could have run a lot longer, but he didn't want to be in a position where he was going to have to take more fuel. So he only waited a few a few laps longer than Busher. What was the exact number here? Let me look. Only three laps. That's that surprised me. That really surprised me. I think Busher sort of forced James Small's hand yeah. because Truex had originally pitted nineteen laps. His his pit stop was nineteen laps after Busher and and Reddick. So he could have run a lot longer, but once Busher pitted. They only waited three laps to come in, um, and then Busher had already cycled out ahead of him, though, and then he never got he never passed him again, and that was the race, right? So, and and Truex wasn't going to short pit there because he was in the commanding position. It's just the way the way the race shook out with no more cautions. Um, he he was never able to regain that track position. If I'm if I'm understanding it correctly, does that sound right to you? Sounds right to me. Sounds like you have the numbers right and how everything played out. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's just because you know somebody was asking me, well, when did how did Busher get ahead of Truex? I think it was just during that pit cycle, he just pitted earlier, and and tires weren't a huge factor today. But I think those three laps, and then you combine that with traffic and things like that, that probably was the difference. And the difference that was yeah. it. When a, you know, I, and look, fantastic race for a race that ran the last sixty-seven laps green um, to have that. That that was uh, it's pretty good stuff. I mean, it's the only fortunate thing is that more people didn't get to watch it because it was on a Monday afternoon. But this was probably the best Michigan race in recent memory. We've there's been a lot of good Michigan races. It feels like the last few years, but this one certainly stands out as the best, if not one. It one of the best, if not the best, because it was so good and more lead changes, passing everything you saw. And you know that arguing all of it's all about track position. And yeah, I mean, there's some element of that, but. We saw cars come from the back today. We saw Hamlin do it. We saw Truex do it. We saw plenty of cars come from the back to the front. And I, I would be hard pressed to say what you would want out of Michigan. This is this is what you want. This is what you want to see. And then this was it. Yeah. No, I thought it was, it, it was great. And I, I think I saw Dustin Albino posted that um, this was the track record for the most different leaders. Mm-hmm. I think his number was sixteen, and that's over one hundred six Michigan races. Also, um, this says here there was 26 lead changes, 
and I need to scroll back all the way to 2012, one of the Greg Biffle wins at Michigan, the last mm. time there was 26 lead changes um, in a race at Michigan. So, yeah, and I would imagine off the top of my head, I bet you a lot of those were in a green flag, like green flag pit stops. Yeah, yeah, you'd think so. Um, although that that race did have eight cautions. But, you know, you had nine cautions today, which ties for the most since 2006. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was a lot of sort of like whatever sort of metric, metrics you go through, it's always a combination of them um, that I, I think really checked a lot of the boxes for what made it compelling. And, you know, Michigan to me, like, yeah, it's the rain really stinks, but it's really just, just so there's so many echoes of Pocono, right? There's so many similarities where you've reduced it to 400 miles. You only have one date. Um, it's the, the fan enthusiasm, the infield looks great. Like it sort of seems rejuvenated. There was a great crowd before the rain. Um, it, it just checks a lot of, you know, it's, it's doing a lot of things right, right now. It's, it's, it's sort of in that sweet spot of places that have found something that works for them. And, you know, I think the racing there, especially now with Fontana going away, Mm-hmm. it sort of stands on its own as a unique track. And I think it's a very important track for NASCAR. I mean, the manufacturer part aside, it's just an important place for NASCAR to be. I agree hundred percent. And I think the manufacturer part uh, component is a big part of it though, too, because it's the three manufacturers, well, really particularly the Chevy and, and Ford. It's, this is the one time of the year. These guys are racing in our backyards. We can bring all our employees out to the racetrack, make this a big day, show our support, you know, the week, Leading into the race, um, I know Ford does this. I'm, I'm pretty sure Chevy does this too. Is that they have drivers and the crew chiefs come out and they have meetings and, and you know pep talks and all of this stuff. It is a giant deal, and that is cool because it's not divided now among two different dates. It's all consolidated into one, and it just feels like this is this is special. And to me, it's a lot like golf. You don't see in golf they don't go back to the same course twice a year. You know they go once a year, and it feels special when you go there. And I, I don't think you need that with every, I think there's a lot, there's a handful of tracks that ha- deserve two dates, but Michigan isn't one of them and they make it work. And it's, it's, it's great to see what has, what was once a racetrack where we are like, Oh, Michigan again. Oh, now it's like, all right, we're going to Michigan and the enthusiasm there, much like Pocono um, to some degree, New Hampshire, though. I don't know if it's quite to that extent, but certainly with Pocono and Michigan. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, we talked about it, but you know, we got to pick our, you know, these, this summer stretch, right. Is a lot of races that don't, aren't like marquee events. I mean, you had mm-hmm. Chicago, that was a marquee event. You know, you and I both go there. Cause it's like, we, we need to be there to cover this. You know, the other races you're sort of like, which ones do we really go to? I put Pocono and Michigan on my schedule this year. Cause I'm like, these are events that yeah. feel like we, you know, I, I want to be there now. And, and like you said, I mean, to, to think that I would voluntarily go, <laughs> go to those tracks where I once hated going and, and try to avoid them. Um, yeah, it's really, really made a difference. Also, I, I just got to say like, again, like the Ford aspect of this, if there was ever a year that Ford was going to snap their streak, talk about nine wins in a row at Michigan now yeah. for Ford, like, wow, and, and this year of all years for them to, to get that done. Wow. And, and on top of that, there really wasn't a Ford team, another Ford organization today that did anything special. The Penske cars, particularly Logano and Blaney, were off. Um, Blaney had his moments where he was kind of flirting with the top ten, but it really wasn't a factor at all. Logano was a, like, I mean, you barely heard his name mentioned today. Um, Stuart Haas Racing, uh, Harvick was brutally bad on Sunday, much better today. 
Um, but really nothing from the SHR cars at all. Um, front row, we heard a little bit about McDowell, but more because he had some issues. and it, it was in the playoff discussion, but nothing for what he was really doing on the racetrack. Just not a banner day for Ford outside of RFK carrying the flag again and, and winning this race. So, yeah, I mean, you would think that this was the year that this streak was going to be snapped. This, this was going to be it. But RFK comes through. Yeah, I mean, Ford ultimately had one, two, three, four cars in the top 10. So who's the other one? Uh, you had Blaney, Harvick, um, and the two RFK cars. Okay. No, so, I mean, Harvick, so, uh, kudos to Harvick, which goes back to what we talked about. That team, like as bad as they were on Sunday, like they again. just find a way. They don't make excuses. They just put their heads down and go to work. And it's so impressive to me what they do. Um, and Blaney, uh, up and down, really not a great day to start with, but then turns it around. So somebody who needs to kind of start getting to, you know, putting together some runs and results here because it's been a struggle for him lately. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. You mentioned McDowell, so let's talk about him because today he falls one spot down out of the top 16 in the playoffs. Ty Gibbs moves into it. This has actually been, I'm surprised this didn't happen earlier because McDowell the last few weeks has not been as strong and it's just sort of been like, well, but he's still in the top 16. Like nobody's really capitalizing on it. Um, you know, the, this would have been great for Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman had they been able to capitalize on his misfortune. They were unable to do so. Um, AJ Allmendinger, the last couple weeks, been unable to capitalize on that. He finishes 26 today. I think he had a, a loose wheel at one point. Um, now he's he's really in the point where you know he might have to win uh, one of the road course races instead of being able to point his way in. Um, I believe he is 24. Four Six. points out. Twenty-four. Oh, 24 points out, I think. Okay. Um, what would you say? I thought it was twenty-six, there? but that's fine. No. That's fine. I mean, he's you know same. Yeah, uh, looks like twenty-four. So, but McDowell, you know, he's only three points behind Ty Gibbs. He's going into uh, two road courses plus super speedway, so you don't feel terrible about his chances. He almost survived the part that you thought was going to be really hard for that team. Um, that said, Ty Gibbs is a good road course racer, as is Daniel Suarez, who is only two points behind McDowell and five points behind Ty Gibbs. So this incredible battle for the final playoff spots is so compelling. Um, and now that Bubba's moved up ahead, it's really that 16th spot. We're still waiting to see if there's going to be another new winner. But looking at the scoring monitor here, um, I mean, you have three drivers within five points 
for one playoff spot and you still have Chase Elliott hungry trying to win a road course race or Daytona. Alex Bowman, capable, certainly. And then there's a bunch of other drivers that, I mean, mm-hmm. you never know if Eric Almirola or Justin Haley or somebody like that. Austin Dillon. Sure. Uh, I mean, at Daytona. Yep. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, Cindric at a road course, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. So that is a very, uh, very interesting dynamic going on. And the fact that we still have that this late in the season, um, uh, I mean, I, it's very, I, I wonder if we're going to be at Daytona really talking about, Hey, there's this, the 16th spot is wide open on points. Nobody is one from outside that. Mm-hmm. And there's a definite legit points battle. However, <laughs> any one of these people could also win and completely erase that. If that is the case, Daytona, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. That is going to be so fun and compelling to watch throughout that race. It is going to be changing the entire night. Like that's going to be, that's going to be crazy. But, um, anyway, this, these next three weeks, whew, these are going to be fun. Really two, two important things that I thought about as you're talking one McDowell's left a lot of points on the table. Um, last week at Richmond strategy wise backfired on them, cost him some spots, bubble, you know, basically pulled away to a, a margin that's going to be hard to overcome on points. And this week he lost some left some points on the table too, damage early on. And now he's not even in the playoffs anymore. And it's almost, you know, Almondinger, Gibbs, and McDowell are three good road course racers. Obviously, I think McDowell's, or sorry, Almondinger is better than the other two, but any of those guys I think are capable. It's going to be interesting to me, though. My second point is, is on road courses, you typically have two strategies, right? Like you either go for the win or you go for stage points. How do you crew chief that if you're one of these guys? If you're a McDowell or a Gibbs, do you say, hey, We've got a shot to win this race, but if we do that, we may sacrifice stage points that we may need. And if we don't win the race, then what position are we going to be in? I think it's a really easy call for AJ Allmendinger. You're going for the win. Like you, you got to go for the win at, at Indianapolis this week, you know, and at Watkins Glen, that's your focus and go for the win. Get this. Yeah. You don't think so? I, I kind of disagree with you on that. I mean, it kind of depends what the others are doing. But okay, so we just said Almondinger's twenty four out, right? Okay. If he can gain, I mean, let's say he gains, say five points each stage for the next road course races, and regardless of the finish, right? Yep. That's twenty points right there. All of a sudden, he's only four points out. Just in theory, we don't even know where he finishes. I get it. That I don't know that you want to pass that up. I don't know that you want to because. Again, now you don't know. We can't sit here today and say, "Well, Gibbs, McDowell, and Suarez are all not going to be in the top ten, so you're gaining on them." They might, they might not. I don't know, but I don't know that you want to pass that up and just say, "We got to sell out for the win here." Because then, if you don't get the win, and you look back at Daytona and go, "Wow, you know what? We actually, we actually had a pathway, and we kind of passed it up." I, I get it. I, I, you're you're not wrong. And I get it, but I just feel like you're opening yourself up. One, if you're Almondinger, you've got a really good chance to win these next two races. Really good chance. And if I have an opportunity to get a win. I don't think he does. I'll be honest. How do you? What have you seen out of Almondinger and Colic this year that makes you feel like they've got a really good chance to win at a road course? 
it's AJ Allmendinger on a road course. I don't know what else. I mean, that's true. I mean, I I don't know what else. I mean, like, I I mean, that's honestly it. I mean, like he's six at Sonoma. Um, I mean, I'm looking at the numbers here real quick, so I apologize. Yeah, no, Um, I was about to go look at the same thing. We we were both running the racing reference. At the end of the day, it's, he was running strong at Austin. He got caught up in an accident. Um, I don't know. I mean, to me, I'm sorry, but like, I have confidence in AJ Allmendinger on a road course. I really, really do. So he was 17th at Chicago. And remember we, we said, even at that race, even though the strategy, we were like, man, yeah. he that was weird. He was never yeah, a factor a all day. day there. I'm not going to lie. They had a bad day there. Um, like you said, sixth at Sonoma and didn't lead a lap, um, was never, never a factor there. Um, and yeah, I don't remember what happened at Coda, how well he was running, but he qualified seventh there, crashed out, didn't lead a lap there. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I just am wondering, like, where the evidence is that he's suddenly going to, there's suddenly going to turn things on. And he's won at both of these tracks before in Cup, won there two years ago. I know different car. I get all that. I just, I have confidence that he can go there and win. And if I can get a win and not have to worry about going to Daytona, where there's two big factors I got to keep in mind. One, I'm probably going to still be a, a few points separating us. So then who the hell knows what happens? And my fate really isn't in my hands there because I could get caught up in a wreck down of my own doing. Two, somebody else surprises us and wins one of the three ne- next three races. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter what I'm doing points-wise because it ain't going to matter. So – at least if I go for the win, I have it in my – I can say at least I went for it. Yeah, I fell short, but I wanted to control my fate, and that that's where it's at. I just feel like you have to um, you have to sort of take the information you have in front of you and not worry about the what-ifs as much and just say, hey, look, we're just going to go for um, – we're going to go for the points, and, and if somebody else new wins, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that situation. But if there's a pathway on points – you kind of got to look at it, especially the way the season's been unfolding so far. Cause I mean, I'm looking at a road course and going, well, like who, who's your favorite, who's your number one favorite that you would be riding with next week going into the Indianapolis road course. Mm, I'm going to go with SVG. <laughs> oh, come on. Why can't I come on? Kyle Bush said he's going to be ahead of everybody else. Kyle Bush, who we respect, who's got a much you think better SVG is the favorite. I to am win at Indy. Kyle Bush said, that he was going to be, he was going to be as much of, you know, the gap between him and everybody else wasn't going to be as wide as it was at Chicago, but it was still going to be, he was still going to have an advantage. I'm going to ride that train. No way. He'll prove otherwise. Why not? Did Bush not say that? I, I just, I'm sorry. I don't think so. I think a street course and a road course are very different things. Um, I think, look, if, if SVG can finish in the top 10, I think that's great. For him, that would say a lot, but I don't think you're going to see, I don't think he's going to go to Indy and, and do what he did. Uh, I mean, I maybe, I mean that if he does that, I mean that then Chase Elliott has a point where he made everybody look silly. And like you said, <laughs> so who's Chicago, your favorite then? Tyler Reddick. Well, okay. And, I, and that, that's, that's a very good answer. Very defending race champion, Indianapolis won at Coda this year. But what about the 45 team inspires confidence at all that they're going to be able to stay out of their own way and and execute a race without any issues and to the point that they're going to win the race? Like it's that's a really tall task right now for that team. They could do it. Tyler's a great driver. That team, when they execute, they're really good. 
I just I don't think you can have confidence that they're going to actually go do that. I mean, that's a fair point. Um, yeah, I don't have a ton of confidence they're going to have a mistake-free race, but I feel like he's, you know, the best road course racer in the series at this moment. So I feel like I'm just going to sort of ride that the hot hand, so to speak. Um, he was 28th at Chicago. He was 33 at Sonoma. Like, I, I know he's got the win at Coda, but these aren't numbers. Yeah, that but jump the out Sonoma thing didn't his wheel. Didn't, wasn't he, he, first of all, he had the loop. He had the thing at Sonoma where he went the wrong way yeah. and got the one lap penalty. Yeah. But something very, else yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't in contention though, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't know. I have such a bad memory. Sorry, everybody. Um, <laughs> but you know, then you've also got to consider, so. um, Larson, Byron, sure, Elliot. Sure. I, mean, um, I mean, honestly, you could make a, I mean, true I don't you could, oh sure. hundred percent. You could make a list of what? 15 guys, honestly. I mean, Suarez, pro- Chastain, Busher, McDowell. Hamlin. Yeah. Hamlin, I mean, like, I mean, it's, um, yeah. Bowman, um, you know, Byron's in the mix. I mean, it, there's a long list of guys. I mean, sure, I would throw Briscoe on that list. I mean, Harvick, I mean, like there's, it's, it's a very, very wide open race. I, so to, to say one guy is the, the clear cut favorite, this isn't like when you go to Richmond, like a week ago, we're all like, Oh, you well, we were wrong, but <laughs> yeah, you got to pick a Gibbs. This is a Gibbs track. Like, but it does feel like next week is going to be very wide open. I don't think you can pick one clear favorite. Now, I'm only picking SBG because he won the last road course race, and then Kyle Busch said that he's going to have the advantage. So I'm just going to – that's the only, that's the only well, thing I can go off of. A lot of other drivers said that, you know, it's going to be different for him because they've got experience at the Indy road course. First of all, he's he's going to get used up more. Oh, yeah. I mean – But he's going to use people up too, I think. Uh, I don't know. I think this style of racing is going to be a little bit rougher than, I mean, think about how Jordan Taylor getting out of the oh, car, sort of shell shocked I mean, at Coda I, where he was I, like, I understand that. I understand that. But the, I've, I've watched a lot of IMSA sports car races. They don't have the same physicality and no holds bar approach that they do in supercars. Like, come on, man. That's, that's a, they, they get after it down there and they, they throw bumpers and haymakers and everything, you know, on the regular. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, these guys, be, it's, these guys will drive into turn one, not expecting to make the turn and just use and just plow into everybody. It's going to be defending champion. I'm, Joey Logano does that. So like, I think it's going to be a fascinating, I think it's gonna be a fascinating to watch. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to watch. I mean, it's, if he goes there and does have like a great race or wins, like if I'm a, if I'm a team owner and a cup, I'm just like writing a check to like a blank check to him. Like here, whatever you want, you just come drive my car full time next year. We're going to go win one of these five road courses in the regular season and punch our playoff ticket. You just name your price. Um, I, I'm stealing this, this uh, question from, from Denny Hamill a little bit, but so he's, he's also running the truck race at IRP. Ooh. Um, so how's, how's <laughs> Shane Van Gisbergen going to do in the truck race at IRP is his stock car oval debut. Um, if I outside the top 20, that's where he's going to get used up. I think he spins at least once and and finishes out well outside the top 20. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's won a sprint car race. I mean, I know it's, you know, that's his oval only oval. He's never done any oval asphalt as far as I know. Right. Uh, not that I'm aware of. I don't think so. Yeah. I think that's going to be a challenge for him. I do. If I he finishes top and, 15 in that race, that would be. Well, I mean, and that, that series is just no one on a short track for, I mean, well, not even on a short track. On any kind of track. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not only is he going to get 
used up essentially, but also you've got people that are just going to make mistakes. Oh yeah. That's, right. Yeah. It's, so it's, like, yeah. yeah. If I set the over under on one and a half, the number of incidents that he was involved in, would you take the over at one and a half or the under? I'd probably take the over, honestly. I would too. Not even, it, does, it doesn't even have to be his doing. No, I, 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 I don't know. That seems like a tall, tall task. And that's my, that's sort of my, you know, I, I'm not sure to what extent he's trying to run next year, uh, whether it's cup Xfinity combination one full time. I, I don't know that. Um, but it just seems like it's one thing again to come over and do the street course. And I mean, absolutely. For him to, you know, drive opposite side, all the things that he did, incredible. Like nobody's taking anything away from that. But like, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Max Verstappen. You're not going to come run well in the ovals when you have no oval experience in a stock car. You're just not. I hope somebody takes this snippet and they just captured it. NASCAR writer says Max Verstappen can't run NASCAR ovals. I mean, he could run them, but he's not going to run do well. Yeah. He's not. It's not an insult. It's just the level of experience. Lewis Hamilton, same thing. Like, what? You're laughing? Uh, no, I'm just. I'm just thinking of the the clickbait folks out there who are going to snip at this. And... Max Verstappen the... comes and runs the IRP truck race. Where does he finish? In the best truck in the field. In, in never. That's his. It's his debut. What would you say? Where would Max Verstappen finish? I will give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll say top fifteen, but not top ten. Maybe. Who knows? I'm just, I just, I'm having flashbacks to Fernando Alonso at Indianapolis, who had like, and I, you know, he had no oval experience whatsoever. Goes there, almost should have won that race. And it's still know, an open the, wheel car, though. F1 I, to IndyCar is not as different as F1 to NASCAR, no, IndyCar to NASCAR. But I mean, it just goes, it's, yeah, I, listen, I, it's an adjustment. There's no doubt. But Juan Pablo Montoya, yeah, he ran ovals before, but he went from Formula One to NASCAR and, you know, figured it out, you know, he, he had some success. He figured it out. And not the not the not to the degree that some people expected, though. Depends on what your expectations were, but he won races, right? I mean, that's he you know, and he, he should have won he should have won at Indy a couple of times and you know. Yeah. And uh so I mean it, you know, yeah, I mean it's it's an adjustment for sure. And it's it's I don't think NASCAR drivers get enough credit for their skill set and what they do. Cause they, people, a lot of people think, Oh, you just jump in a car and you turn left. It's like, there's, there's a way lot more to it than this. And then also the level of competition and the depth is, is much different. We're sitting here talking about how, you know, 20 different guys could win next week's race. You sure as hell don't get that in formula one or really any series for that matter. Yeah. By the way, Montoya in 255 career cup starts had 24 top fives, 59 yep. top tens. So like zero wins on an oval. Yeah, never. I mean, so like, and he's about as world class as it gets. Yeah. So I just think it's hard, and that's not. Again, I'm not talking about their talent as a race car driver whatsoever. It's just no, the I discipline. Know. I know. The discipline is I'm extremely difficult. I'm, so I'm just thinking of the you know there's there's going to be clickbait people out there. You know that. Yeah, nobody listens to, to this to do clickbait. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we're you know. I don't know. I've ended up on Reddit a few times from this podcast. Well, that's because you say so. news stuff. Not my, not my opinions talking out of my, talking out of my butt here, you know? <laughs> All right. Um, what else should we talk about here? Because, um, let's see, we talk, well, I tell you what, let, just looking through the running order. I did want to say Eric Jones had a really good run 
for yeah. legacy, um, top 10 finish. He, you know, he was actually running better than, than that at times in a week that was quite, uh, tumultuous for legacy. Very. Noah Gregson likes a very tasteless meme on Instagram and that's enough to get him suspended by the team and then suspended indefinitely by NASCAR, which I don't, I'll be honest. I don't quite get that part of it. Cause like the team already suspended him. So like if NASCAR, like, couldn't they just say, all right, yeah, you have to do sensitivity training before you come back or something. Why did they have to suspend them also? That's a, I, 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 that's a great question. And I agree. I don't think you needed to do anything. If you're NASCAR, you could have let this ride. You could have said, Hey, the team's already suspended them for the weekend. We, st- we support their decision. We'll address it. We're, we're going to go back. We're going to review it. You know, our penalty report comes out on Tuesday. We'll have a we'll, we'll have a ruling then. You don't need to. There was no reason to make a decision now. Uh, I understand kind of why they did. I mean, public relations and optics and all of that stuff, it feels like. But I, I, I don't know. I, I would probably wait it. I don't think you needed to do that right now. Yeah, it was. I don't know. That seemed like a little bit of um piling on or something because the team had already taken the action on him. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Like it felt like, I mean, you agree. It's like a PR kind of, it felt like kind of a PR thing. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's, that's what it did feel like. But um, I, again, I understand the message NASCAR is trying to send, not just PR, but like they're trying to say, Hey, like we don't stand for that. Yeah. yeah, We're not, I want to make sure we're not supporting at all. What Noah did. Like we both agree. It was, no, it was tasteless and not a very, I mean, just, I don't, yeah, in the best case scenario, Noah is lying in bed late at night. He's scrolling through, liking a bunch of memes, and he doesn't even think about it. He's just like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then somebody goes, hey, did you see Noah like this meme? And he's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even think what, what that was. He, now, that's probably not true. I mean, he, maybe he did realize what it was, but that's the best case. That's still dumb because, like, I'm sure you're aware, Jordan. I'm aware. Like, we're all aware that when you like something on social media, other people can see it. Whether it's Instagram, you go. I, I do it all the time when you know, I, I see somebody's post or like na- the NASCAR memes account, which you and I have loved recently. And, you know, I'll go on to see and I'll, I'll click and I'll say, oh, who liked this? Because I want to see who else is in on the joke. Or like, um, and actually, Noah is usually one of the ones that likes those memes. I know he's a meme person. Meme, not mean. Um, and you know, so, you know, maybe, maybe there's some mistake there and a misunderstanding, but still you've just got to know in your situation as a public figure, people are watching, you know, if you like it on Twitter, if you like something on Twitter, it's going to pop up into people's feeds that you liked it. You don't have to go look just as so-and-so like this post. Why I don't like posts. You don't like any posts. If you go look at my Twitter feed, the only posts that I like are all dog videos. (laughs) Oh, is that right? I don't like, I've got, you know, comp- a lot of people like, will, will like compliments and stuff. And I, I don't even like that. I'm very, I'll even go back because sometimes I'll say, sometimes you accidentally like something you you know, you don't even realize it. You do. I will go back and frequently check and make sure that I didn't like anything or, you know, just to make sure like, who you know, I, I'm, I'm, you have to be, you have to be very careful about who you follow, what you, you know, the, who you follow, what you like and, and all of this stuff and perception can become reality. And you just, you have to be aware of that. And I don't know, it's uh, I, I don't have an issue. I, I'm, I think legacy did the right thing. I think suspending them for a weekend is, is a good punishment. Um, I am, I'm curious to see where this goes from here and what is next. Um, what is NASCAR's reaction? I think sensitivity training is obviously 
in the cards. Uh, I didn't, as you said, I didn't agree with the indefinite suspension. But the thing is, is Noah was already on thin ice at Legacy. Like his return to that organization um, was very less than certain, shall we say? Um, and it, you know, it was a high probability he was going to be out of that car next year. At high probability. And um, I just, and then this happened, and now we look at it and you're like, it just doesn't, it seems like this door is closed. Well, you, you had reported in your silly season roundup, um, what was it, a couple of weeks ago or last uh, week? Tuesday. Last Tuesday. Week, um, that, you know, that he was on the hot seat. And then when Martin Truex Jr. announces this weekend in, in the bullpen scrum, hey, I'm coming back, um, that only seemed to almost, seal it in some ways because you know legacy is moving to toyota next season toyota needs to put john hunter nemechek somewhere he's been waiting in the wings for a cup ride he's proven now uh that he deserves to be back at the cup level and in a better ride than he started his cup career at uh you know his his experiment to dip down to the truck series and sort of rebuild has proven to be successful but they've got to have a place to put him they don't want to lose him and he can't just wait forever for Truex or Denny to retire and then just say, okay, yeah, I'll wait like three more years or something. You know, you don't know how long it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So with Legacy moving to Toyota, it just seems like a natural place that they could put him. And you've also said that Toyota likes Eric Jones from their previous relationship yeah. with him. And Eric Jones is running well. And, and yeah. you know, especially in a down year for Legacy, uh, he's he's been able to to get some good results. So... Um, it's unfortunate for Noah because I think all rookies deserve more than a rookie year to show what they've gotten. But when you combine it with other factors like this, um, you know, it's sort of like a, like the the Nick DeVries situation where, you know, he didn't even get a full season, uh, in F1 and then they're like, all right, we're, we're making a move. Um, it's really unfortunate because I, I think, you know, racing at the top level of any series, it's, it's going to be a learning curve. Some take longer than others and especially legacy's not having a good year. So what do you really expect out of Gregson? Um, but yeah, stuff like this, is just, uh, it's brutal for, for the longevity of your career, you know, be interesting to see what his next step is. Um, I don't think this is a career ender by any means. Um, I think he'll get, no, he's overcome plenty of stuff yeah. like this before, and, and, you know, not um, similar, same as this, but you know, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you think about the, uh, the road America thing with stage Karam last year. And at the time it mm-hmm. seemed like, wow, that's a really bad look for Noah. He oh, kind of yeah. owned it. He moved on and you really don't. I mean, it came up last road America, you know, last week, but um, you really don't think about it much anymore. So this is the kind of thing that's ultimately a blip. However, if it costs you your ride, you know, like you said, maybe he was already gonna lose it anyway, but you know, this may have accelerated it. So maybe that's something that stays with you longer, but um yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where he goes from here. I don't either. It's gonna be interesting. I mean, interesting to see. There's some opportunities potentially in the cup in the Xfinity series, but the thing there too is you. A lot of those rides, um, you do need to bring funding and sponsorship with you. And he's got a little bit of sponsorship with him, but I don't know if he's got enough to secure one of those big Xfinity series rides, or do you move back to the Truck series? I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what he does from here. Yeah. Well, again, another part of that was the Truex coming back. Um, you know, we were like, oh, kind of back and forth. Couldn't really tell what was going on with him. 
then he says he's made his decision and kind of be stupid not to come back. When you look at cars like he had today, um, you're like, well, I could, I could see why, um, funny thing, uh, that, that also, you know, plays into it, I think in some ways. So, so we were doing a, uh, 12 questions, uh, interview, right. And, you know, he said he wanted to to wait on his question for the next guy. So I texted Truex on like last Tuesday and I was like, Hey, do you have a question? I can ask the next interview. No response for like days. Right. <laughs> and I hope, I hope Bill Janitz isn't going to be mad at me for this, his PR guy, but I texted Bill Janitz on Friday morning. Cause my next interview was coming up with McDowell on Saturday morning. I'm like, Hey, um, Bill, I, ha- I haven't heard from, from Martin yet. Like, um, you know, have, do you, have, have you heard from him? Like, and he's like, Oh no, he, he'll go like three or four days at a time without looking at his phone, like legitimately. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wow, imagine that. Like you, you have the lifestyle where you can go like a few days during the week, maybe not every week, but a few days at a time during the season and like totally disconnect and not even look at your phone. By the way, he did text me back Saturday morning. He, he, once he looked at his phone, he got back to me in time for the interview. But I, I was just like, wow, why would you want to? And you're getting paid. You're still getting paid tons of money. You're driving the best cars in the series and you can disconnect during weeks in the season. Like, yeah, keep going, Martin. Like, so anyway, he decided to keep going. Uh, he will clearly be a championship contender this year. And probably next year as well, uh, assuming, you know, JGR and Toyota still have good cars. So, uh, yeah, I, I would expect to hear a lot more from, from old Martin. Not via text, I though. I've actually added a second phone to my repertoire. Oh, really? You, is it a burner? <laughs> Maybe. Because I don't have your number on the second you phone. You do not have my number. I... What's going on there? Just working. Just working. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You have a second phone. Uh-huh. And you're not giving me your number. No. So is it a you, burner? You got my other number. You got the main number. That's all you need. Well, what's that one for? It's for other work stuff. Work stuff? Yeah. Or <laughs> don't get me in trouble. Do not get me in trouble again. Okay. I mean, it sounds like the kind of person that would say that you do your best work on a Saturday night. You know what I meant by that, and that proved to be okay. I, you know, that worked out. Okay. Not a lot of listeners knew what you meant by that. <laughs> no, I didn't know what you meant by that either. So, uh, all right. Well, that's no, kind of weird it, that, that you claim that we're friends and you won't give me your other phone number, but you whatever. Uh, well, you've got the main one. Okay. Um, by the way, I hope you bought, I hope you made one of those an iPhone now. Stop. No, you bought another phone. Android. What's wrong with that? You bought two Androids. I mean, I'm on team Android. God, at least if you're going to buy another phone, buy at least one iPhone and have one Android so you can see what you're missing. Maybe, you know, now you're making me think I should take it back get an Apple. You should. Apple. Never buy an Android. Oh, I love Androids. I know you do. Anyway, sorry. Uh, I no, but I mean, this. you're right about Martin, though. I mean, he's got, it's a really, you know, in a very sponsor-driven world where drivers are pulled in all these different directions and everything else, and they're traveling here, traveling there during the week, like, Martin has got a sweet gig. He's got a really sweet gig. He's got very loyal sponsors who love him. 
you know, who, you know, you know, a few times a year, Johnny Morris will say, Hey, I want you to come to an event. And by the way, we're going to be hunting or fishing or, you know, something that you're going to want to do anyway. And other than that, he, he can kind of go do his own thing. He's one of the, he might be the only driver who can really detach because he doesn't have to do all this stuff. And it's a, and you're with a competitive team, you're winning races, you like your guys, you've got sponsors who are very loyal to you. Like you look at all of this situation and I, and I know it's a grind and all of this stuff, but man, like it's a pretty damn good situation that a lot of other drivers would be very envious of. Yep. Yep. For sure. Well, should we talk about the, was it a good race poll or is there anything else? Uh, we got everything on my list though. Let's, uh, let's do it. All right. Well, you let me creep ever closer last week by blowing your Richmond guess. So I'm really within range here, folks. I could really pull off the stunning comeback that Chase Elliott was not able to do on points. I'm the Chase Elliott of the Was It A Good Race poll. I have not wrecked yet. However, this is a tricky one. This is another tricky one where I think it was a pretty good race. I did see some like, well, you it was arrow blocking and you can't pass the leader, so it wasn't good. It was good, folks. It was good. It was good racing. It was- Chris had a very fast car, like, and his car got better. And Martin came on the radio and said, like, his car had gotten a little worse. Like, Yeah, he said he was free and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, it was the first time all day he said anything bad about his car. Look, it, it was a good – I don't even know why I'm ju- trying to justify this. I guess I'm trying to justify it in that I'm trying to guess how many people will say it wasn't a good race. So I, I think it's going to be high one. I think it's going to be high. I, I'm I'm worried about going too high. But I'm also worried that you'll go a little bit higher and box me in. So I hate to do this. I feel like this is, I might be making a mistake here, but I'm going to go 86%. Wow. Okay. That that is higher than you thought. Yeah. My number is 82. Okay. I was always going to go 82. Okay. Um, I think the fact that it's a Monday race too. I, I love to see the numbers on this Monday races, but we should, you know, if we ever have time, we should figure that out. See if that's impacted at all. Um, cause people yeah. can watch, they automatically voted. Yeah. Now. Like they're watching, you know, they don't really get to see it. So they're not, you know, they might impact their brothers. Like, Oh, Martin Truex Jr. won, or, you know, whoever, won, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I, I, I like your guess. I get it. I respect it. Would that be the highest Michigan race of all time? Oh, you always think that I'm going to do my, I've done my research. I'm sorry summer. that you put a little time and effort and, you know, into researching things and be prepared for, I take notes. I'm right. I come prepared. Uh, well, no, actually, uh, last year's Michigan race won by yeah. Kevin Harvick is in the 90% yeah. club. 90.7. It was a great race. So this, Ooh. that wouldn't be 86 would not be the highest Michigan race. It would be the second highest. So I'm going to go, yeah. I'm going to go 82. I don't, I'm just going to stick with it. We'll see. Okay. I can, I can respect that for sure. Yeah. I, I do think it'll be positively received. I think so. It should be. Um, I mean, the, the second highest Michigan race ever was, uh, the 2020 first part of the double header, which was 77.3. I was at that one. Mm-hmm. That was a fanless race. Yeah. God, I tell you what, Jordan, just as a quick aside before we end here. So I was back at Michigan for the first time since that fanless double header weekend. And, um, at that weekend, I wasn't even allowed to go into the infield. Um, because I think only Bob was allowed to go in the infield back then because he was Fox and they had some sort TV. of, yeah. TV. Um, so 
yeah, I was up in the press box and, and there was no fans. We parked like right underneath the grandstands, like right next to the elevator, the spotters and everybody. And you know, you had to wear your masks, uh, in, in the press box the entire time and be super, super spaced out from everybody. And, you know, you can only take your masks off to eat your lunch. I had all these flashbacks of like, Oh yeah, all these things about the pandemic that I forgot about, you know, sitting in the press box this weekend. First of all, God, so glad we got past that. I remember after that race, um, I just sat there in the empty stands for a while before I left, like, man, like, cause I hadn't hardly traveled any races. I think that race was the first was race I'd first gone to NASCAR race in during the pandemic. I remember that specifically. Yeah. The first one I'd gone to since the Phoenix yep. one right before it shut down. Yep. And I was just like, man, this is such a, a privilege to be able to come to races. And honestly, you wrote that actually, I'm pretty positive. You wrote that probably, I probably did, but every single time I kid you not every single time I've left a track since then, I have been way more conscious about trying to soak it up and appreciate it and just think, well, what if something for some reason, this is my last one, something crazy happens in the world. You never know. Um, we've, we lived through it where all of a sudden things got shut down and, um, you know, it's made me appreciate, um, being at all these tracks so much more, even Michigan and Pocono. Um, and you know, just being able to, to go to the track. And I think, I think that's a big reason why you're still seeing the attendance boom right now, like people coming in, in droves to these races because people are still wanting to get out and say, Hey, like, let's go to this race while we can. Let's let's it's here. It's yeah. It's one race a year. Let's, let's go. Let's have fun again. Let's, let's relive this. So I think it's a, I think NASCAR is in a decent place right now. And, um, you're, you're seeing that with some of the enthusiasm in the crowds lately at the track. So Indianapolis should be a interesting test. I don't know how many, what the crowd's going to be for that. The IndyCar doubleheader and probably, probably be the last one, probably be better. Well, you know, they'll go back to the oval and then who knows how long they'll stay on the oval. Yeah. I just, yeah, we'll see. I don't think, I mean, IndyCar's, I mean, from reports that are out there, it's that IndyCar race next year. That's at IMS is going to be shifting. Oh, you're saying the last doubleheader. I thought you meant the last, yeah, last it's the NASCAR last doubleheader. Oh. Yeah. It's the last NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader, at least on the, at Indy who knows elsewhere. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's tough. Cause I, I do think it's a cool weekend. It's a super weekend and everybody kind of comes and it feels like a, an event and, uh, it's cool to see that. I, you know, I could, I think I'd probably lay out the schedule differently and everything and how you coordinate the events, but it's, it's a cool weekend. It's going to be sad that it's going to go away. Um, no, it's not. No, it's eh, not. It's I don't think it'd be sad go. because I don't think that I don't really find much redeeming, honestly, about the, the Indy road course. I, I just want their, if they're going to be there, go on the oval no, we've said this a zillion times. Now it sounds like they are going to no, go on the will. oval. They're doing they a, They're doing a test. And you know, Denny it's Hamlin. Tough. Denny Hamlin said it perfectly this weekend. You know, he, he said like, there's a lot of chatter about what the fourth major is in NASCAR now that the Brickyard 400's gone. Yeah. And Denny was like, there isn't one. You can't just make up and say, well, this one's the fourth major now. That race was the fourth major because of yeah. the importance of being on the oval historically, and everybody wants to win on the oval at Indy. It's not just winning at the at the Brickyard. It's winning the Brickyard 400, you know, yeah. like it's winning on the oval and that's the prestige. So NASCAR will get its fourth major back next year. In the meantime, you know, another road course race, you know, sort of the parking lot type race, but, um, I get it. You know, it, it was, a, it was a good try. I just don't, I don't think it's necessary at this point. So I'm ready to see yes, this I one agree. go by and, uh, get back to the oval. It's weird because I was a proponent of going to the to, to trying the road course. I I, I just kind of had grown tired of the the oval races, and I felt like the racing wasn't very good. 
But now, as time has passed, it's only been a few years, I have a better appreciation for what the Oval was. Yeah, the racing wasn't the best, but the best teams, man, showed up. Like, you look at the guys who won that race year in and year out, it was always, more often than not, it was the guys who were in the championship hunt or the championship favorite. Because like Michigan, we talked about, you had to have everything working for you to win there. You didn't back into wins there. And um, I, I miss that. And I and I learned to appreciate that better now. Like, yeah, maybe the racing wasn't the best, but a lot of that was the car or whatever in this. And, you know, with this car, I like I'm I'm excited. I, I'm ready for it to be back on the oval. You get a major back. You get the significance. You can't replicate that elsewhere. Um, I think it's going to be the right move. I think it's a, it's, it's, I, I think it was a worthy experiment to try to see if it works to see if you could kind of keep the same magic. It didn't work. Not everything you could do is going to work. Sometimes this one didn't work and now you're going to go back to the oval and hopefully it's better next year. Well said. Well, we'll talk about that more of course next week on the teardown. And, uh, in the meantime, thanks everybody as always for listening. And uh, well, I already said we'll talk to you next time. So <laughs> you, why don't you close us out, Jordan? You, I always close it out. Thanks for listening to Teardown. We'll talk to you next week in Indianapolis, of course.